Now, back to Waitley. Total upheaval in the AFLW final series with the first week, the lower-ranked qualifying finalists defeating one and two. So Brisbane over Adelaide and then North Melbourne stunningly over Melbourne. It's caused the AFL just to reiterate how things work from here. So the new seedings are North Melbourne 1 and Brisbane Lions 2, and that's relevant for who hosts the grand final. Adelaide is 3 and Melbourne is 4. So North Melbourne's prelim is for hosting rights of the grand final for them. Should they lose and Brisbane win, then it's in Brisbane. And then Adelaide get the swing at it from there uh, if they are to qualify and then Melbourne are at four and so on and so forth. So without a fixed grand final, the unlikely results or the less fancied results caused, I take it, a degree of confusion. But for absolute clarity for grand final hosting rights, the AFL's put out North Melbourne is currently the one seed and the Brisbane Lions the two. So it's North's grand final to host if they can win their prelim. Our AFLW segment for MEGT, helping women kick their career goals in the trade industry. This is the moment that had been years in the making for the Kangaroos and what to make of the reigning Premier Melbourne and their suddenly complete inability to score. It's a result that flips things on their head. Expectations around who can make it, who can win it. Discount North Melbourne at your peril. Yeah, it's really disappointing, the, the scoreline today. I mean, we had, I think there was about 5,500 people here, so it was a good chance to, to showcase where we're at as a team. And, um, yeah, no, that will sting. That will sting for a little while, and um, we'll certainly use that as fuel to get ourselves back on track, get ourselves in form, and, um, yeah, be ready to go in a week's time. Mick Stanier, the Demons coach there. Our guide is Sarah Ollie from afl.com.au. Hello to you, Sarah. Jared, good morning. What a wild weekend of results. And as you alluded to off the top, a clarification from the AFL as to who is now in the box seat to host a grand final. It's something the AFL's never had to do because we've never seen three and four beat two and one. And on top of that, you have the Swans in eighth coming up against the Suns and rolling them in fifth. So it was an incredible weekend of results and a real statement win from the Kangaroos in more ways than one because we've been speaking ad nauseum all season about their inability to beat one of the big three. Well, not only did they beat one of the big three, they did so in devastating style. So a huge performance from the Roots. Years in the making. So it felt, uh, you'll, you'll recall these things more sharply than I do, but it felt like in the year where the finals got cancelled during COVID that they were... They were the they were in the box seat, and that's uh, I think it was them and Fremantle who got sawn off at the knees. And since then, they've always been up there, but never quite able to compete with with who have been the big three. So they have beaten the D's once before, but I think that win, the space between the two, Jared, was something like seventeen hundred days. So your memory serves you absolutely correct. And after the game, Darren Crocker said, you know. It's not about getting the mental monkey off the back. I think it is, though, because this is a statement win. And you talk about the Ds and their inability to score. I believe that's real because they've been the scoring juggernaut all year until the last two weeks. In fact, since halftime against Brisbane last week, Jared, they have scored 
one goal. Mm. One goal in six quarters. So something is surely up when it comes to Melbourne. All right. Well, so what are the theories? Because I did see a conspiracy theory yesterday come through on the text that COVID has run through Melbourne. Um, What are the prevailing theories at the moment as to how a team that has had no trouble scoring for a long time has suddenly dried up when it really matters? So I have spoken to Melbourne this morning and they want to play down that theory, but there has been illness in the camp over the last two weeks. That might go some way in explaining part of their inability to score, but I think you've also got to give credit to the two teams they've come up against. The Lions and the Roos had ballistic pressure from go to woe, and that's something that not many sides can do. Having said that, Melbourne had no trouble scoring from rounds one to round eight, really, or round nine, I should say. So I just wonder if perhaps teams and the better teams are figuring them out and perhaps the Ds did peak too early because halfway through the season, it looks like they were surety to play in the grand final. It's going to be the long way round should they get there again. But one goal from the last six quarters that is not the profile of a premiership side. No, it does not make any sense right now. What did make sense? So the lines over the Crows because of the venue and the finishing positions could have been cast as an upset, but it's the head-to-head record that was the tell here, wasn't it, Sarah? The Lions now have an 8-3 winning ledger over the Crows. And that just doesn't sound right to many people because you think about these two teams. They played off in the inaugural grand final. They've actually played off in two grand finals and they've won one each. But when it comes to the overall record, this is now a commanding win for Craig Starsevich at eight and three. And really, if you look at the stat sheet, you'd think they had no right to win because Adelaide were dominant across the ground in pretty much every facet except the one that counts. And that is on the scoreboard. And I think that sums the Lions up. They play the big moments really well. And to do it at Norwood Oval, which is an absolute fortress for the Crows, is just another massive tick for this Lions side, who each year gets pillaged when it comes to uh, expansion and clubs taking some of their best players. But they just find a new player, a new rate of player and a new way to win. And now they are through to a home preliminary final and one way win away from another grand final. So big props to them. Having said that, though, we have to remember the Crows. They've lost to just one team this year, and that is the Lions. And it's been by less than a goal when it comes to the combined points, just a total of five points this year. So I don't think the Crows have lost any friends. I saw Ebony Marinoff yesterday speak, and she said, eh, I think we may have played a bit of a boring style of football. I'm not so sure if that was it, but they get another chance this weekend. And in something really peculiar, we're going to see the minor premiers come up against the team that finished eighth. So this is going to be, on paper, a pretty easy matchup for the Crows, who will face the Swans. We actually haven't seen this matchup yet, so a really big test for Scott Gowan's side. So, so Sydney, um, 
they were great scenes after they'd won and eighth beats fifth and we know the the backstory didn't win a game in their inaugural season and here they are so I had two thoughts yesterday the first was Scott Gowan's coaching it never made any sense why he got tipped out of North Melbourne in the COVID era and he with the fresh platform is just showing what a good coach he is and not I just want to be clear about this not not necessarily a measure of the best player but it feels to me like Chloe Malloy is the biggest star in the game now well, if you ask Scott Gowans, she is the most talented player in the AFLW, and that is something that he has thought since, I guess, Chloe first took his breath away on the field. Because you're right, if you look at the stats for Chloe, they don't really tell the tale. She is a, a moment player, a clutch player. And once again, her three-goal performance really was one of the difference makers in this match against the Sun. She really senses a moment and seizes the moment. And I, I love that vision of her uh, after kicking a goal. She said that as she was lining up, she heard someone from the crowd go, two, four, six, eight, you can't kick straight. <laughs> and she puts it straight, straight through the middle, Jared, and she just goes back to the crowd and she just gestures, two, four, six, eight, and just gives it to them. So <laughs> she's not afraid to let her footy and uh, a few other things do the talking. But you're right. Uh, when it comes to someone who rises to the occasion... I feel like we're always talking about Chloe Malloy. She is an absolute star. And one of the reasons the Swans have gone from being winless in their inaugural season to not just playing finals, but winning a final in year two, it's incredible. And Geelong's win over Essendon was set up early. Um, Just total domination, really, in the first half. How did you see the Cats? I love this from the Cats because this time last year against the Roos, they kicked one goal eight. So they just could not get their kicking boots on. And from the word go, they were on. You sensed it actually from the first passage of play. Georgie Presparkas with the clearance. She finds a teammate who finds Ash Maloney. And in 20 seconds, I think it was, they're on the board. So uh, they came out with a real intensity the crowd was incredible. Six and a half thousand were really getting up and, and getting behind them. And in the end, it was an only an 18 point margin, but that really flatters Essendon because the damage was done by three quarter time. And in fact, Dan Lauber had a few players, including Press Parkus, resting on the bench pretty early in that fourth term. So this was a really great win for the Cats. Um, they're going to probably find it a little bit tough next week, but I loved what I saw from players like Ash Maloney, who in her first season of AFLW was best on ground. She's from Tipperary, was only signed in March. So this is her first season of AFLW and just another one of these Irish imports that continues to star. The only downside for the Cats, Jared, is that Chloe Shear, uh, she's got an injured collarbone. Now, Fears have been allayed because they thought that it was broken. It's just a hairline fracture. So she won't feature this weekend, but should the Cats progress further into the finals, she is a sneaky chance to come back in. And props to Essendon. This was their first finals hit out in their second season of AFLW. Just not good enough, but I think a big tick for them moving forward as well. And the Meg McDonald backstory. So she'd had a family tragedy in the lead up to the game. Yeah, her father passed away quite suddenly and she didn't really want uh, to speak too much about it. But I just thought, what a great effort in a really trying week to captain her side uh, into that final and into another one. And she played on Bonnie Too Good and they had a great battle throughout the day. So 
Condolences to the McDonald family. Okay, so the the semi-finals, so Melbourne and Geelong. Um, what risk the indignity of of the women joining the men as straight sets huh. abs ex- exits yeah, well, from final series? It's a big risk. I just can't see it though. I mean, they met in round five these two sides, and the D's beat them by forty nine points. But we're also talking about a different looking D side back then when they were having no trouble scoring but I always get too sucked into these winners from the first week of finals uh, and the losers I expect the D's to bounce back and with the other matchup the Crows and the Swans um, I hope it's not a bloodbath is all I'm going to say because I think the Crows may come out breathing absolute fire at Norwood Oval so that's going to be a massive challenge for the Swans but they've taken this mantra into the final series of why not us and they're going to play with nothing to lose and absolute freedom. So hopefully two close finals, but I'd expect the Crows and the Ds, Jared, to bounce back. Yeah, the, the chasm that, that exists between the top four and the rest, I, I guess that will get tested. And if they were lopsided games, you wouldn't be surprised as that's sort of inherent in the competition at the moment. So the AFL's had to adjust its seedings. Sarah, it's only fair that I give you the chance to adjust yours as well. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Oh, I am turning my seedings on their head, Jared. Um, in number four, I've got Melbourne. I can't have them anywhere else but in that fourth spot. In third, but I'd say the gap between four and third is huge. I've got the Crows. Up into the ruse and the Lions for me in number one because the Lions have found a way to beat all the best sides this year. They got it done again. They'll have the week off to rest and then a home preliminary final. So they're my number one seed. Just a question without notice. If North Melbourne did win hosting rights of the grand final, where where might it be played, do you think? It'll be played at Icon Park. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um and, uh, yeah, it's a, f- a bit of a fantasy that Melbourne could end up hosting. So uh, either Springfield for Brisbane, Icon Park for North, or they'd go to Adelaide Oval with the Crows, wouldn't they? Or would they, would, oh, they might it's have it's access. Cricket. Norwood Oval. Yeah, yeah, yeah no Norwood cricket Oval. access. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, and the Coaches Association are seeing things the way you're seeing things in their Player of the Year. That was uh, That was heartening. For what's to come? It was very heartening, wasn't it? But that hasn't been the issue with Jasmine Garner. The coaches have loved her for for quite a while now. The uh, the true test will be on best and fairest night, Jared, to see if she has been noticed. We've been asking for that attention for Jazzy. Garner the attention for Jazzy. Let's hope on best and fairest night. She gets some early votes because that will be <laughs> the tell-all. <laughs> and the last one, Sarah, what what did we think of the crowds at the first weekend of finals? Did they match the drama? Well, I was at GMHBA Stadium and there were 6,500 there and they were making so much noise, Jared. The only thing I would say about that is you couldn't see it on the broadcast yes, because yes. the cameras are on the wrong side. And I think that is something that we need to get right because – I was speaking to a friend before and she said it's like when you walk past an empty restaurant and you don't really want to go in because you don't think it's that good and if you turn on the TV and you can't see people there, well, maybe you're not as inclined to watch it. But no, I thought the crowds overall were really good for the first week 
of finals. We need people to keep showing support with their feet, Jared, because we know we've now got these metrics in place. If we want to get the season longer, we need more people watching and more bums on seats. So I'd encourage everyone to get to Norwood Oval and Icon Park this weekend. The the drama of it all was well worthy of good crowd. Sarah, thank you. Enjoy the semi-finals. We'll talk again next week. Thanks, Jared. Bye. Sarah Ollie, afl.com.au. AFLW chats are for MEGT. Women in trades, advance your workforce with female tradie power. Visit megt.com.au. I'll share some of your messages shortly. The 40 Winks temper text 0433981116. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks serious about sleep. And in our game of where in the world is Blanksy, it turns out he's in Melbourne. So Brad Blanks is going to come and join me in the studio as we play at the intersection of sport and pop culture. Melbourne's weather, possible light shower, a top of 17 for city power, supply and power to homes in the CBD and inner suburbs.